Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The reading is found on page 544, and that's Psalm 4, page 544 if you've got one of these Bibles. Psalm 4. For the director of music, with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions? And seek false gods. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, don't sin. When you are on your beds, search your heart and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and you wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray as we stand. Father God, we want to thank you for the Lord Jesus, for his death and resurrection for us. And Father, we thank you for the promises which you make in your word, which are all yes in Christ. And we pray that this evening we would hold firmly to those promises, making them the rock on which we build our lives. Father, would you strengthen our resolve to keep clinging to you and Christ so that we may come to you in the end and be with you forever. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please do pick up your Bibles again and turn to Psalm 4. And we will consider those few verses together tonight. Well, it has been a good summer so far. I hope you've been enjoying uh, your summer and all that you have been doing. It's been great. Last week we've had family visiting and it's been great to uh, be able to see family and spend time with them. Uh, My brother and his sister, no, not his sister, his sister-in-law, my sister-in-law came last week um, and we enjoyed some time together. Uh, My brother and I even went uh, bird watching together. Uh, We went to look for a bird called a nightjar. Uh, So we trekked up to the north of Sheffield, uh, to uh, Warncliffe Heath. And then, I don't know if you know there, you have to trek up through some woods to get to the top of the heath, which is where the nightjar lives. And so we then sat down and waited till it got dark, because that's when nightjar uh, come out. And we we sat around until the dusk was just falling, and then we heard it call and we saw it. It was a great moment, my first nightjar. Um, And so my brother and I were uh, rather excited as we started walking back down the hill and got back into the woods, at which point we realized the disastrous mistake we'd made. 
It was dark and we couldn't see a thing under the woods. And we were thinking, what path did we come on? We had no idea what way to go. I don't think I've ever had that feeling of, oh dear, I am really lost. And I was seriously thinking, we're going to be spending the night here, sleeping. Funny enough, the next day we went to Chatsworth and our youngest son then got lost there as well. Um, the announcement came over the tannoy. Would I, the mother of, Kirst- of Joel Bramhall please meet him at the red tractor? <laughs> but you know, as serious as those things could have been, uh, being lost in those situations, it's nothing compared to watching people make wrong turns in life, is it? Now I don't know if you've ever watched people doing that taking the wrong turn, making wrong decisions, ending up lost in life. That can be distressing to watch, can't it? People that we care about doing the wrong things. And you can see them doing it and it's painful to watch. And you know the results that's going to come from it. Maybe you've watched friends at school doing that. Maybe you've seen friends starting a relationship with somebody and you know it's going to end badly. Lots of different things which you can see and you just know it's going to end badly. And for Christian people, I think that feeling is often heightened as we watch people rejecting the Lord Jesus. The Jesus who is so precious to us. Jesus who died on the cross to give us life. Jesus who promises us eternal life and has shown that that's a reality by rising from the dead himself. Yet we see people turning away from him, rejecting him and it causes us pain. And you can feel that sense in the country as a whole, can't you? And we prayed for it tonight when Chris led us that our nation is spiritually poor, turning away from the Lord Jesus. And it pains you to hear people claim that Jesus is nothing. It pains you to hear people in our society saying Jesus is an irrelevance. Or people saying that, they might not be saying that, but they're living in such a way which proclaims that Jesus is not important to them. And we find it hard to see that. People living in a way which says, Jesus won't give me peace and joy and security in life. Well, tonight I hope that we will see from these verses something which speaks to that. And I hope that we will have confidence to pray for and to preach to those people who do those things. As we will see, people who shame Christ and seek a mirage to have confidence to pray for and to preach to people who are shaming Christ and seeking a mirage. Well, firstly, we see the situation that David faced. Now, we'll see that David is facing a distressing situation. He's in anguish and he calls out to God. And you see it in verse one. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. He calls out to God. And then in verse 2, we start to see something of what that distress comprised of. And what we will see, it comprised of the Christ being shamed and people seeking a mirage. And if we're going to pray for people, and if we're going to preach to people appropriately and well, we need to understand the situation that people are in well. And what David observes of the people in his time is the same for people in our time. Look at what King David says in verse 2. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? Now King David feels his honor being insulted. Now remember who King David is here. 
That he was the one who was anointed by God to be the king of Israel. And as the king, he was to be their protector. He was to be the one who brought peace and safety to the land. And great promises had been made about this anointed one. No promises which could be traced right the way back to Abraham. You remember at the time of Abraham, God told Abraham that one of your descendants will bring blessing and life to the whole world. Blessing and life to a world which has been marred by sin and death. And it was to be God's great purpose in the world was to be raising up one who would bring blessing and life to the world again. And those promises were then reconfirmed to King David. Promises which ultimately would find their fulfillment in the Lord Jesus. That Jesus would be the one who ultimately brings blessing in life. And yet David stood in that tradition and here he found himself being insulted and rejected. And the people were not giving them the honor which he deserved. They were despising him and rejecting him. They did not think he was someone worth following anymore. They did not think he was worth, someday worth obeying and they brought shame on him. And as verse 2 continues, we see how they were doing that. Look at verse 2 again. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Do you know when you read Hebrew poetry, often the lines are parallel. So the, the beginning of the line is then followed by a line which explains it or expands on it. So one line helping to us to understand the other. And that's what we've got here. The, this line helps explain the first line. You see, people are turning the glory of King David, the Messiah, the Christ, to shame. How are they doing that? By looking for what God promises from other things. I, don't know, I think we hear their words in the beginning of verse 6. Just look over to there. Where they say, who can show us any good? You see, the people who are surrounding David, they want blessing in life. But they don't think it's going to come from God's anointed. No, they're seeking it from places other than from God's hand and from the hand of God's anointed. And so they bring dishonor on God's anointed. The same dishonor which is brought in the Lord Jesus when people think they can find peace and safety and joy in other places. You know, maybe they think that education or wealth creation or the pleasures or health or, 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 or many different things, that's the thing that's going to bring blessing in life and joy. But they don't think it's going to be found in the Lord's anointed. And so they reject him and it brings dishonor. But as we see that, we need to see that David here is not just peeved at being overlooked. Do you know, Jesus is not just peeved that somehow he's being sidelined. Because there's more to what these people are doing. Look again at verse 2. You see, it says, How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Because you see what these people are doing? They love delusions. They seek after false gods, or it could be translated, they pursue a deceptive thing. You see, the idea is what these people are doing is they are seeking after an illusion. 
No, they're putting time and effort into getting something which doesn't exist. They love something that has the quality of nothingness. It's quite striking, isn't it? No, seeking after things which you think are going to make the life better, but actually turn out to be nothing at all. Things which are a mirage. Now, I've never seen a mirage, but I can imagine the, the feeling. You see it on the horizon as you're parched and thirsty, and you think there is going to be the solution to all the problems that you've got, and you get there and you reach out to grab it, and it just dissolves in your hand. There's nothing there. And David says that's what people are seeking after, that's what they're pursuing, that's what they love. Doesn't seem quite right, does it? People seeking after those kind of things. Surely people wouldn't seek after things which are nothingness, which are empty. And yet that's what David says people are doing seeking something which is false and fleeting, seeking the hope of a better life, only to find that it doesn't quite live up to what it was offering. You know, there's many that we could turn to who have sought fame and celebrity and wealth and who can attest to get into the top. And when they get to the top, they say, well, there was nothing there. You see, David is saying here that people are being taken in. They're seeking after things which are not just wrong, but harmful to them in the end. And you see, and if we are going to pray for people, if we are going to uh, preach to people, we need to understand this. The people in our world are following things which they think will bring them peace and joy and safety. And yet they are following something which turns out to be a mirage. When we see people following other ways of life other than following the Lord Jesus, they are positively harming themselves in the end. Even if it seems, that, even if they think what they are doing is good... But you know, sometimes my problem is I look at people like this and I think, well, they're not too bad. No, they don't really need to hear the gospel. They've got a good life, a well-paid job. They've got a lovely family. They've got enough money stored up in the bank. They've got things sorted, is what I'm tempted to think about them. Yeah, if I believe what God says to us here in Psalm 4... They've not got it sorted. They're working for something which turns out to be an illusion. They're following something which will do them harm. In addition, they are bringing shame to the Lord Jesus Christ who died for them. You see, tonight we need to see the position that people are really in. Well, that's the situation which David faced, which caused him anguish. But secondly, tonight we will see the solution he found. Now, there are two things that David does. One is that he prays for these people, and the other is that he preaches to them. Well, firstly, David prays. Now, it's easy to overlook this, I think. It's the obvious thing of the psalm. David prays. But we must see that this is the fundamental and the first thing that we do. We pray for people. And as we look at that, we see that David shows us three reasons why we can have great confidence to pray. And though firstly, he knows the character of God, and you see it in verse 1. He says, answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. 
He calls God his righteous God. He calls out to his righteous God. And the idea here is that here is a God of justice. A God who always does the right thing. No, God has and always will do the right thing in every situation. That's the nature of God. And David knows that and it gives him confidence when he cries out to God. Now, I think most of us know that, don't we? We know what God is like. We know that he is righteous and can be trusted when we pray to him. Now, we can pray to him in the confidence that he will listen and in listening will then do the right thing. But secondly, David has an experience of God which gives him confidence. Now, verse one again, answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God, give me relief from my distress. Now, the NIV translates it there, give me relief from my distress. Every other translation, if you have a look, says something like this, you have given me relief when I was in distress, or you freed me from my affliction. Or to quote the King James, which I quite I like, thou hast enlarged when I was in distress. Now the sense of David being in a tight spot and when he prayed to God, he had the experience of being freed, given space. And his experience of praying to God in the past and having that answered gives him confidence to keep praying now. And I wonder how often you've taken the knowledge of God, that we know about God, and actually put it into practice and found God to be trustworthy and true. Well, thirdly, David can say he can pray because he knows he belongs to God. Now you see it in verse three. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. You see, he has confidence that God will hear him because he knows that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. David recognizes he was placed on the throne by God. He was set apart by God. It's quite reasonable then to think that God will answer when he calls to him. And we know that through the Lord Jesus, we've been set apart by God. You see, we're not godly primarily through the good things that we do. Rather, we are godly because we can be rightly related to God through the Lord Jesus. Now, we are those who are forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ and those who are seeking to submit to him. And as Christians, we have the confidence then to cry out, Abba, Father, and the confidence that God who has set us apart will answer us. You see, we never need to worry that God won't hear us as we pray. You see, we can have the same confidence to praise, pray for those who are shaming Christ now and who are seeking a mirage. And David turns and he prays to God. And when people reject Christ and dishonor him, when they follow false ways of life, we can have confidence to pray and we should pray. When we see people following a fruitless way of life, we have confidence to pray. And what do we pray? Well, look at the second half of verse 6. Let the light of your face shine upon his Lord. It's wonderful, isn't it? Let the light of your face shine upon us, Lord. You see what David wants? He wants people to see the blessing of the Lord. And David shows us that's been his experience in the past. He's experienced that blessing and he wants others to share in it. 
Look at verse 7, which explains what that experience was for him. He says, you filled my heart with greater joy than when, the, when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. You see, David knows the joy which comes from God is deeper and more satisfying than anything else. More satisfying than anything the world can offer. Now, the people he prays for have genuinely been looking for some good, for something which will bring them joy and peace and safety. Surely that's what people in the world are looking for, isn't it? And people want to feel safe as they face the future. They want to feel secure. They want to have joy. They want things to be better. And so they might get into politics so that they can make a difference. Or maybe they think their career will be the thing which makes the difference. Or their reputation or their status or their children. Those are the things which will bring joy and peace and safety. But David says his heart's been filled with joy which is greater than anything that any of those things can offer. Something which comes from the hand of God. You see for us it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus which offers this. It's the knowledge that Christ was crucified for us and that brings us peace with God. It brings us joy. The knowledge that God's favor has been turned towards us. That he sent Jesus to die for our sin. That he loved us so much that he did that for us. That brings us great joy now. But it also brings a sure and certain hope for the future. A hope which no one can take away. You see, that's something which as we face the future brings us joy. But it makes us sleep easy at night, doesn't it? Because we have a secure future from the Lord Jesus. So David has confidence to pray and he does pray. But he also preaches to those who would shame Christ and seek a mirage. And he begins it in verse 4, I think. You see what he says there. In your anger, do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Now, I've puzzled over this most of the week. I think it's quite a difficult verse to understand and lots of the commentators have different ideas of what's going on here. But in light of the whole psalm, I think what's being called on here is is David saying, don't reject the Messiah. Now, remember, David's writing here to people who are genuinely looking for something good. They want joy and peace and safety. And yet they're looking for it in all the wrong places. You see, they're turning the glory of David into a shame. They are seeking after things which they think will make them joyful and happy, but which will turn out to be an illusion. And in some ways they're angry at David that he didn't bring those things. You see, when they turn then from King David, when we turn from the Lord Jesus, when people turn from the Lord Jesus and seek other things, they're saying that, God, what you offer me is not good enough. That's not going to be a thing which brings me peace and safety and joy. And in doing that, we dishonor God. And dishonoring God is a sin. You see, so when you're angry about how life is going, don't sin. When you think that this whole Jesus lark has failed... Don't sin. When you think, I'm just going to give this up as a bad job, don't sin. Be careful. In your anger, don't sin. Yes, bring those feelings to God. 
The Psalms will give us plenty of examples of people doing that. But when you have those feelings, don't start to reject the Lord. Don't turn away from him and seek after other things to give you what you feel you need. Rather, David says to have a deep and meaningful with your pillow and think about your own heart. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent, he says. He calls on them to think about what they're doing away from the clamor of all the voices. Think about what the outcome of your life will be. Think about the way in which you are going. Are you starting to heap shame on the Messiah? by your actions and your way of life? Are you putting so much energy into your joy and peace and safety that you're neglecting to see that it comes from God and from his anointed? Now when you get home tonight, maybe consider your life. When you get to bed, consider your own heart. Are you seeking after things which are away from the Lord? Now maybe you will need to repent And then listen to verse five where David says, offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. You see, here's a call to rightly relate to God again. In the Old Testament, offering a sacrifice was the way to repent of sin and respond rightly to God. And so David says, repent and respond rightly again to God. Trust in him who is the Messiah again. You see, because we don't offer sacrifices in the same way, do we? We look to the one true sacrifice for all time, the Lord Jesus. You see, our right response is to look again to the sacrifice of Jesus, repenting of our sins, and trust in the promises of God again. Hold fast to the message as it was taught and become rooted and grounded in the faith. Remembering that outside of Jesus, there is no blessing at all. You see, in following Jesus, there is great joy and peace and safety to be found. But that will mean abandoning all false trails and taking hold of him. The blessings we need come from the Lord Jesus. And so even if we feel as if we are going in the wrong direction, keep trusting in Jesus. And if we see people going the wrong way, well, remember Psalm 4 and have confidence to pray for them and to preach to them, and preach to them, preaching to those who are shaming Christ and seeking a mirage. Well, let us pray together now. Father God, we know that you have loved us and we know that there is great joy to be found in following Jesus. And would you help us all here tonight to keep trusting in Christ? Please, would you fill us with all joy and peace in believing and may that joy and peace be multiplied that we may never think other things will satisfy more than you. Father, would you help us to be those who help others to know this joy? Help us to be grieved at the futility of people's ways of life. Help us to pray for them. And help us to preach the good news of the gospel to them, to repent and to believe. And we pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.